Hello and welcome to Medico Legal Expert Insight. My name is Jessica and in this podcast, we interview medical and legal professionals to help connect and understand when, what, why and how both sides interpret the information given to them. The goal is to share expert opinions from both sides of the medico-legal industry. I do want to say a huge thank you to eReports for the support and access to all these incredible experts. So let's get started and connect the dots through conversation. Today, I would like to welcome Hadia Yuluka, Principal Lawyer and State Litigation Leader in Victoria in Superannuation and Insurance at Morris Blackburn. Hadia and I are going to discuss TPD and income protection. Hadia is going to give her insights into the difference between TPD, work cover, and why they have different questions for the experts to consider, some functional impact examples of medication with these cases, and some problems she's noticed in reports from experts. But first, let me introduce the lovely Hadia. She was admitted to practice in 2010, working in workers' compensation and pursuing common law and statutory benefits for her clients. Since 2012, Hadia's major focus has been in the life and disability insurance space. Hadia is passionate about keeping insurers, trustees, and financial service providers accountable, especially where they illustrate poor conduct and operate in a manner contrary to the interest of her clients. She is sensitive to the devastating financial and emotional impact that rejected and drawn out claims have on her clients and is driven to mitigate this impact by steering her clients through the complicated claims and litigation processes. Hadia's clients have said things like, it was such a relief meeting with Hadia. Throughout our meeting, she displayed an enormous amount of compassion and understanding. She provided much needed clarity around the legal possibilities and I very much appreciated her honesty. Hadia is also a mental health advocate. She leads a team of passionate lawyers, law clerks and legal support staff motivated to provide access to justice for her deserving clients. Hadia, welcome to the podcast. Thank you. Thanks for having me. You're most welcome. So you've worked in both work cover and now specialize in disability insurance. How are the considerations that are relevant to a work cover case different to those that are central to a TPD case? That's a really good question. So a lot of the clients that we represent um, do have work cover cases. And in addition to that, we have a TPD claim that we're pursuing for them as well. Mm-hmm. Um, and so we might brief an expert and the questions being asked might be um, relevant both to the work cover case and additionally to the TPD claim. However, the considerations for um, those two claims, um, some of them overlap, but a lot of them are really different. Um, when we're looking at a total and permanent disability claim, there is no uh, consideration given to or, or no relevance um, placed on the connection to work. So mm-hmm. if you've got a work cover case, a, a big part, a big component of the uh, evidence, the medical evidence, it relates to the causal link between work and the injury. 
Now, um, in a TPD case, it doesn't matter whether or not you became injured at work, whether you um, got injured at home, whether you're suffering from a condition that has nothing to do with an injury. It could be a naturally occurring condition like cancer, uh, a mental health issue. It could be an autoimmune problem. You could have MS um, or maybe an advanced stage of uh, any other medical condition. It doesn't have to necessarily be connected to a work incident mm-hmm. or be uh, the result of a negligent third party at all. And so the considerations are different. So firstly, causation is not relevant for the purposes of a TPD claim. Um, the other thing in regards to TPD claims is that, um, and I'll talk a bit later on about uh, you know, the importance of, of definitions in policies and how that dictates uh, what it is that we ask the doctors in the, in the reports and the requests for reports. Um, but quite often we're asking doctors for information that helps us to uh, convince an insurer about the likelihood that a person will return to work um, in the open labour market. So we're not just considering theoretical prospects, we're considering real world prospects of not just um, getting a job, but sustaining a job as a reliable employee. In most cases, that's an important central consideration in a TPD claim. Um, those are not necessarily the only considerations in, say, a work cover case, and there are many, many other considerations. Um, and so really, I think in a TPD case, the biggest focus is the person's capacity for work. Um, we're not focusing necessarily on loss of enjoyment of life, although, of course, that is an element of, of um, you know, suffering from any kind of a medical condition. So you mentioned about the definition. So every definition in an insurance policy is different. So does this impact the questions that you ask an expert? Absolutely. So the the first thing that we always do is we just attest that our client must satisfy in order to receive a TPD benefit. Uh, and that ultimately dictates what questions we put to the treating doctors and also what questions we put to any independent medical legal experts. So uh, the most common definition that we deal with is the unlikely ever definition. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that requires us to demonstrate that our client is unlikely ever to return to work within their education, training and experience. That's the most common form of, of TPD definition that we come across. However, there are other uh, slightly more difficult tests such as the unable ever test um, that we're seeing pop up a little bit more frequently and uh, demanding or, or asking a doctor to uh, to certify that a person is unable ever to return to work um, is a little bit more tricky and is a, is a much higher threshold than, say, an unlikely ever definition. And so um, it's important that, you know, we direct the doctors to the correct information and we extract that history from our clients as well and from their treating doctors um, so that the independent doctors can form, you know, an informed and fulsome view when it comes to preparing an opinion. Um, There's also some definitions that require uh, a person to demonstrate that they're beyond the hope of improvement in, in some rare policies that we see. Uh, and sometimes we've even got to show that the the prospects of them actually going back to work um, are pretty dim, even after rehabilitation and retraining. So there can, in some instances, be an added layer um, beyond what we normally see in these definitions, which demands a consideration uh, having regard to any rehab 
or other retraining, any further courses that they might be able to do, um, so on and so forth. And, and that's an important thing for us to give regard to and then also to direct the, the doctor's writing reports to. Yeah. So you mentioned that there's a definition that, for example, is unlikely ever. So is this exactly what it says in the insurance policy? And do you give the example of the policy to the experts? So um, every policy differs. So let's assume that it is an unlikely ever definition. What we would do is we would uh, basically extract the policy definition from the policy and and we would put it into our request. So our our questions um, would either exactly quote the words or uh, would refer to the relevant words from the policy definition. Um, we'd either be paraphrasing or exactly quoting the policy definition. I think it would um, you'd, you'd, it'd be hard to find a doctor that would welcome um, a copy of a policy document. Yeah, I was going to say. <laughs> and, um, and I don't know many doctors that would want us to send them that as part of the enclosures list and for them to wade through 100 pages um, to find the definition and work out what it is that they're trying to answer. So we do try to make it as simple as possible to deal with the correct question that we need the insurer to, um, or, or that the insurer will be assessing our client under. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, um, but we don't necessarily need to give the doctors a copy of the policy document, no. Yeah, but you use the words in your questions. Absolutely, yes, yeah. we, we absolutely do. And we want to make sure that we are, um, we are, you know, basically giving the doctor the best opportunity to provide commentary and opinions and insights that allow the insurer to form a fulsome opinion about our client's claim. Yeah. So the the better we explain the the definition of total and permanent disability in our in our letter, in our instructing letter, and in the questions that we ask the doctor, the easier it is for the doctor to address the issues that the insurer needs to consider. Yeah, that's really interesting that you use the actual words from the policy in the questions. Like, I think that's really important for experts to know that, especially working on these sort of cases. Absolutely. And I think it's important also to remember, um, like like we said earlier, that every policy is different, that you can't go into a TPD claim knowing what the prospects are going to be, what the prospects of success might be. Um, you know, it is ultimately informed entirely by the medical opinions. Mm. Um, but it's, you know, you can become familiar with um, a particular requirement in, say, a work cover case, but uh, there's no way of actually knowing, uh, you know, whether or not a person will meet a TPD definition. So I think for doctors to apply, um, you know, critical thinking when they're actually reading these questions, which they do, um, is is really important because uh, it's no, no two policies are exactly the same. Um, every policy, policies get renewed all the time and when they get renewed, the sometimes the definitions get updated. So it's really important that we do go back to that definition and we direct the doctors to the wording from that definition so that they can um, form their opinion based on what questions we're asking. Yeah, of course. Now, you mentioned that TPD is about returning to work. So what are some functional impact examples of medication? Yeah, I think that one thing that, uh, you know, is really important to highlight when briefing um, doctors 
whether it be treating doctors but also independent medical medical legal experts is um, asking the impact of, of medication or at least the doctors to elaborate on what impact medication has on a person's day-to-day functioning. Yeah. Because we know that, you know, it's, it's all well and good to say that a person's condition is well managed with medication, but quite often there are side effects. Um, sometimes medication can cause drowsiness, can cause sleepiness, can cause people not to be particularly alert. Those are just a couple of examples that I can think of of side effects that clients quite often complain to me about. Mm. Um, now, if you're talking about a person's capacity to return to work or the likelihood that they will have a capacity to return to work for the rest of you know their working life or projected working life, um, it's, I think, very important to understand, well, this person, in order to function day-to-day, needs to take medication. And if they are going to be impacted um, by drowsiness or um, an inability to concentrate um, or an increased, you know, need for sleep or something like that, um, I think that those things are important to to comment on. Um, And of course, that can affect the likelihood that they would be employed or that even if they were employed, how reliable an employee they might be. Uh, And that might inform, well, is this person realistically going to maintain employment, not just obtain it in the first place, but sustain employment as a reliable employee. Um, I know that most employers would not want um, somebody who is going to be drowsy, who might be put in a supervisory role, um, to not necessarily be alert uh, to things that might be going on around them, for example. Yeah. Okay. So I, I would say that yeah, comment, commenting on the impact of medication on a person's day-to-day functioning can add a real uh, important layer to the report that um, you know that otherwise may not be there. Yeah, yeah. And have you found in the past when you've received ports, reports and there has been comments on medication, most of the time the experts are across the type of medication and can comment accordingly? Absolutely. The experts that uh, you know we brief uh, are experts in their field. They specialise. They quite often have previously been treating doctors for many years and so uh, they're well across how to manage the conditions that are being managed by the treating doctors, what the impact of this type of medication is, um, how heavy this particular dosage might be. So uh, I think that in in my experience when I have read reports and those questions have been put to doctors, uh, the responses have been uh, really well informed mm-hmm. and it does actually assist us to be able to address certain questions with the insurer about, well, can this person actually um, perform these theoretical roles? What are the limitations that they will face? Um, If you're asking them, like I said earlier, to supervise other people, for example, or supervise machinery, um, even if they're not necessarily going to operate it, um, will that be a problem if they're not necessarily alert uh, Mm -hmm. because the medication might might cause drowsiness or something like that? So... Um, in my opinion, I think that the medical legal specialists are very well equipped to comment in this regard and can draw on their experiences as um, consultants and, and former treating specialists themselves. Yeah. And is there a particular type of expert you turn to for these cases? Uh, every case is unique. I wouldn't say I've seen um, too many cases that have been 
identical to ones I've run in the past. Yeah. Sometimes we need various independent doctors mm-hmm. to give opinions depending on what medical condition they suffer from. Some people suffer from a multitude of medical conditions. So they might have a psychiatric condition as well as a physical um, health condition. And it might be those two conditions combined that create the disablement for work and um, lead to the conclusion that they're unlikely ever to return to work within their education, training and experience. So sometimes we will need an, a, a psychiatrist plus a, um, an orthopedic surgeon um, and then we might even need a vocational assessor to provide an opinion and they can really do the employability assessment. Yeah, of course. And um, what I find most useful, particularly in uh, cases where an insurer has declined a claim for total and permanent disability um, and they've relied on various proposed job options uh, that have been prepared by you know, a job assessor or, or a work, um, an occupational physician or perhaps a vocational assessor, um, is we can then brief an independent uh, vocational assessor who can consider the treating doctor's opinion and any proposed job options that the insurer has put uh, and match up exactly um, those proposals with, our, with the, the opinions of the, of the doctors mm-hmm. uh, and work out exactly what the person's realistic prospects of employment in the open labour market are. Uh, so that's often a pretty important um, opinion that we need to obtain, particularly if we're preparing for litigation. Yeah, of course. Now, I'm sure you've read a thousand reports before. <laughs> um, <laughs> what are some problems that you've noticed when reading reports from an expert? Uh, probably not problems, but maybe things, gaps or things that I think could have um, resulted in a more fulsome report yeah. or, a, you know, a, um, a sort of a deeper or, or broader um overview of what um, is going on in the in the client's life. Yep. Um, so I think that one of them is, is I think, the, the medication question that we touched on earlier. Yeah, I think course. that that's something that we often overlook um, and we just assume that that's the treatment the person needs and, and you know, once they have that, they can carry on. Um, and I think that having doctors elaborate on that can add a little bit of, um, a bit of extra depth to the opinion. Um, I also think that you know, not truly understanding what the person's education, training and experience was prior to them becoming disabled for work. Um, I think, you know, if you look at a, a title, a job title that a person had prior to stopping work, um, sometimes you don't truly know what it was that that job required of them. Yeah, um, there's so many different titles how- these days too. <laughs> absolutely, absolutely. Um, and actually the job title might have meant that they're, um, the skill set was actually quite narrow um, mm-hmm. and therefore they don't have a huge amount of transferable skills. Um, I think also making sure that, that the person or, or that we're directing doctors to the, uh, you know, the, the level of education that the person had. So, yeah, um, you know, sometimes you sort of see that perhaps the doctor wasn't briefed with all of the information that they might have needed to provide the deepest and most fulsome opinion that could support the case. Um, And so if I've ever sort of seen uh, reports that I think could be better, it's more that I think that the doctors could be directed to um, elaborate a bit more or dig a bit deeper for that information from 
the the patient or the client when they when they take the history from them. Um, and I think also directing doctors to treating doctors' opinions as well. So one thing that again, not a not a um, an area that I think um, across the board needs improvement. But if I've ever seen a report that I think all oh, this could be even better and, and probably address the issues better, it would be um, that you know con- consideration is given to the treating doctor's opinions because ultimately they have uh, that relationship with the their patient and and have been managing um, their care and treatment from the very beginning. Yeah. Okay. Perfect. Well, this has been very insightful today. Thank you so much. Um, Is there anything else that you would add if you were engaging an expert in one of your cases, like any advice that you'd give them or anything to think about when working on one of your cases? Uh, My only tip would be don't go into a TPD case kind of um, thinking I've, I've dealt with a TPD claim before. I know what the the TPD question requires of me, I know what TPD means because TPD means something very different in each and every policy Yeah, and um, will result in a different outcome for um, a different client. So uh, be guided by the specific questions that are um, being put to you by the instructing solicitors and, um, you know, don't be shy to ask for clarification if you need it. But ultimately, uh, the questions put to the independent doctors in those instructing letters uh, are formulated based on the policy definitions, yeah. um, and that's why specific wording is, is is included. So I would just sort of that would be my tip for uh, any consultant doctors that are doing these independent reports. Yeah, perfect. Well, thank you so much for your time. Thanks so much for the opportunity, and um, I look forward to speaking with you soon. Thank you so much. Bye. Thanks, Jessica. Bye.